Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading The Rainbow Garden by Patricia Sanjan with permission of Moody Publishing Company. And we are on Chapter 17, The Camp by the Lake. The great morning dawned at last. Mr. Owen set out with us four older children in the tents at the crack of dawn to pitch camp. It was a perfect morning, and we traveled by the narrow back lane singing for miles. The dew still lay on the fields where we, when we started, and the spider web shone like silver. We left the lanes after a time and joined a winding road and began to climb towards the horizon. Suddenly we reached the top of, a, of the hill, and Mr. Owen stopped the car abruptly and said, Look! I gave a little gasp, for I had never seen the great mountains so close. Now they stretched out in front of us as far as the eye could see. Peter jumped up and reeled off the names of the proud rocky summits. We knew that hidden away in the valleys were the lakes. Peter leaped back into the car and prodded his father in the back. Go on, Dad, he shouted. Let's get there. So we raced down the hill and through the last little town over an old stone bridge designed by a famous architect named Ingo Jones. And then we left civilization behind us and we were speeding towards the steep mountains rising ahead of us. Ten minutes later, we left that last proper road and turned up a steep, stony path that climbed through the larch woods, with the stream foaming down over the mossy boulders on our right. Will the car really go up there, asked Janet, clutching the back of the seat nervously. And what will we do if we meet another car? It would just be too bad, replied Mr. Owen, pulling down into the bottom gear and hooting his horn and warning as we twisted around the corners. We were breathless with excitement, for we knew that in a few moments we would see the spot that Peter described to us. We bumped around the corner, and there in front of us, clear as green glass, with the shadows of the hills reflected in it, lay the lake. Mr. Owen stopped the car, and once again we were silent for a moment. I thought I'd never seen anything so beautiful. It was so still and so long, and now and then a gull dipped and ruffled the surface with its wings, but otherwise I could see, couldn't see a ripple. I felt as though I'd reached an enchanted country where everything seemed to have fallen asleep. Oh, Daddy, let's swim, squeal, squealed Johnny. Look, there's a little beach. Couldn't we make camp there? No, replied Mr. Owens. We've got to get to the under, other end of the farmhouse. Look, there's a little white road along the edge of the lake. We'll get the tents up and, and camp fixed, and then we'll have to swim before dinner. We won't bother about cooking day today, just corned beef and bread and butter and plums and lemonade. Then I can go back early for Mom. We drove along the little track by the edge of the water, and very soon we caught sight of Mrs. Davies' farm. There was a sheepfold and a cow shed to one side of it, and a wire run for chickens, and a spring of clear water splashing to a stone trough in front of the door. Mrs. Davies heard us coming and ran out to meet us. She was a neat, dark little lady, woman with rosy cheeks and a bright black eyes with a little girl clinging to her apron and a large sheepdog jumping around her. A little friend for Francie, said Mr. Owen, waving at the child, and a little friend for Caldwalder, said Johnny, whistling at the sheepdog. We tumbled out of the car and Mr. Owen greeted them in Welch. Mrs. Davies pointed out the driest spot for the campsite and helped us carry our things. We set out to work in earnest, laying the ground sheets and the hammering in the tin tent pegs, and then we went to Mrs. Davies, and she took us around to the barn so we could stuff our mattresses with hay, a straw. 
In the corner was a tiny black and white calf, a very weak and wobbly, peering out from behind its mother. We carried big stones up from the lake and built the campfire place. We stored our firewood in the barn so it would keep dry. We'd built an enormous campfire to welcome Mom tonight, said Peter. And we'll all collect wood when Dad goes to get her. Now come on, let's have a swim before dinner. We changed in two minutes and raced barefoot over the springy grass to the pebbly stretch of mud that Johnny had already christened the bathing beach. After our swim, we had dinner, and then Mr. Owens glanced at his watch and looked up, jumped up. We must go get Mommy, said. We won't be back until five, five o'clock. You can collect firewood and explore around, but don't get lost. And remember, no one is to go near the lake or light a fire until we get back. He jumped in the car and went bumping off along the, the lakeside track. It was rather exciting being left on our own. You girls wash up, said Peter, and then we'll build an enormous bonfire for tonight. Now let's go to the other side of the lake and follow the stream and see where it goes. It says on my map that there's another big lake on the other side of the mountain with streams flowing down that joins this one. We tidied up and dug a deep hole for our rubbish and then scattered to collect firewood. I had never been in such a wild, rolling scenery with not a living creature to be seen anywhere. Come on, shouted Peter's voice from the camp far below me. You've got hardly any wood and we've got, we want to start soon. We collected a big pile between us and then we started along the edge of the lake, feeling like a party of explorers setting out to discover unknown territory. Peter carried the map and the compass in a leather bag over his shoulder. It was cool and very silent everywhere. We reached the end of the lake where it had narrowed into a rushing white stream. We had our shoes off in a minute and scrambled down the steep banks, and then we slipped on the wet stones and went splashing up to our knees in a foaming pool. The tree... The tree's in just ahead, called Peter. We're going to go out into the rocky, stony sort of place. Let's come out into the open and have a look around, and then we'll go back. We waited on and found ourselves in a very desolate place indeed. It must have been an old stone quarry once, for piles of broken stones rose up around us. And in just, just in front of us were our blackened walls of an old, roofless stone building. Looks as though it's been burned, said Peter thoughtfully. Give me a leg up, somebody. Let's see inside. I think we ought to go home. We mustn't be late for Mum, said Janet firmly. I, I, I don't like that house, Pete. In fact, I don't like this place at all. It's kind of sort of spooky. I looked around and shivered, shivered a little. The piles of stone hid the countryside, and the air was full of the sound of angry, rushing water. Peter was wading through the mass of weeds that surrounded the ruin and had pulled himself up on the seal. I say, he called back excitedly, it's got all sorts of rooms in it, and someone has made a, fire, a campfire. There are black stones and ashes and an old saucepan. One room is still roofed and the window stuffed with rags. I think someone's living here. I'm going to try the door. He jumped down into the nettles, scratching his legs badly, and picked up his way down to the door. It was jammed and stuck, but Peter ran at it with his shoulder, and it burst open so suddenly he fell forward. He got up quickly and backed out, rather frightened, and stood hesitantly. Shall I go in, he asked, supposing there's someone there. I would think he'd come out by now, said Johnny rather sensibly, and then he hopped over the nettles and stood in the doorway. I'll go in, he said brightly. I'm not afraid. He skipped into the ruin, poking his inquisitive little nose into one derelict room after another. 
Then he came tiptoeing back, his eyes round with excitement. Someone does live here, he whispered. There's a mattress with nice blankets and some plates and cups and a box and an old rug on the floor. Oh, Peter, I whispered, let's go home. Supposing they come, they'll be really cross if they find us in their house, and we will never hear, hear them till they're right on top of us, the strings making so much noise. Well, I'd just like to have a quick look, said Peter uncertainly. Johnny, you climb on that stone heap and keep a lookout. Nimble little Johnny was up in a moment and down again as quickly. There's a man coming beside the stream, he squeaked. He's got a sack over his back and a dead rabbit in his hand. Come on, everybody, run. He was away into the tunnel of trees, leaping from boulder to boulder with Peter and Janet just behind him, and me slipping and stumbling and splashing along last of all. On we went, breathless and wet, with bruised, cold feet and aching legs. We didn't feel safe until we reached the quiet hills and the gray levels of, levels of the lake. There's a car, shouted Janet, waving her shoe wildly above her head, and the next moment we were racing along barefooted beside it with the joyful faces of Francis and Robin, Lucy and Caldwilder, building the windows, and Mrs. Owen calling out greetings. And although none of us would have confessed it, Never before in our lives had we been so pleased to see them. Well, tomorrow we'll read chapter 18, Philippa's Day. I love you, I'm praying for you, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.